This is a reading of the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John 12, 1-8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you would open our minds, our ears, our hearts. Let those who have an ear today, Lord, let them hear a word from you, not from me, but I pray, God, through the foolishness of my preaching, that somehow your Spirit can do a work in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I am uh, deeply, deeply moved by this text. I can't explain it. I think it's something that God did in my life. When I, every time I read this text, I just feel a, a strong connection to it. It's kind of why I drew that, that piece of art. Um, let me kind of do my best to unpack what I think is going on here. And this one's a little bit scandalous, but let's do this, all right? So put your seatbelts on. Here we go. So uh, let's start with this idea of splurging on somebody. Have you ever splurged on someone for... For whatever reason, there's someone in your life that you really love and care about. And so whenever you run into some money, just spend it on them. Um, When I first started doing video work that was getting paid a decent amount of money, I remember one of the first things I did, I got a check for a few thousand dollars. And I went straight to, Diana had just become a mom. And I went straight to the mall. Now, this is not recommended. Like, this is just bad economics altogether. But I went straight to the mall. And we definitely could have used this money in other ways. And Diana is, uh, she's a one on the Enneagram scale. So she would be very frugal. And she would not want me to do this. If I left it up to her, she wouldn't want this. But I took her straight to the mall. And I was so happy for for being a new mom that I spent that whole check on just getting her earrings. It was Mother's Day. And so it was her first Mother's Day. And I was like... This is worth it, and, and this is the easiest money I've ever spent in my life. And so when we love somebody, how many can agree with me today that when you really love someone, spending on them is just natural. It's not hard at all. Uh, because love, and this is the name of my sermon, love has its reasons. Can you say it with me? Love has its reasons. So have you splurged on somebody? Think about it right now. When have you given an extravagant gift to someone? When have you gone way beyond what was necessary because you love someone? Now here's the point. The expediency and the morality of the abundance of Mary's gift is absolutely scandalous. Uh, Judas is right. And before you judge Judas as we wear clothes made by children and work 
sweatshops in Malaysia and Vietnam, right? Before we judge Judas and before you say, well, Mary was right and I would have never been like Judas, before you go there, let's just recognize that whenever we read a gospel story, we would do well to identify with the person who needs to change. So let's just lean into Judas a little bit and recognize that we are not called to identify with Mary or Judas. We should recognize that we are some weird combination of both. And Judas calls her on it. And he says, this is ridiculous. This is neglecting the needs of the poor. Now, here's the deal. And I, this isn't in my notes, but I just want to point this out. I, I got into a discussion a few weeks ago about this. Is God happy when churches build 2.5 million dollar buildings? Is God happy when there's slate roofs and stained glass windows and a $50,000 bill at the end of every two years to repair these institutional structures? Is God happy? I kind of tend to side with Judas, to be honest with you. If I'm being transparent, uh, I kind of agree with Judas that that money could have been used for the poor. Can I get an amen? And when we look at the extravagance of worship in our culture today, many of us will say that that money could have been better used on poor people. Can I get an amen? And yet, there is this tension here where we see her spend a scandalous, you know, the kids have a saying, and I just learned it this year, but whenever someone's acting crazy, they go, she's being so extra. And I just heard, I just heard it for the first time. So, so I want to pause here for a second and say, Mary is being so extra right now. And I did a little research and I found out the etymology of the word extra. Extra meaning beyond, outside, right? Extravagant, extravagant. So extra, beyond, vagant, uh, a journey, wonder, travel. Mary is traveling way beyond what's necessary. She is being so extra right now. She's doing things that are quite scandalous, but it goes so much deeper than ignoring the needs of the poor. Let me tell you why. And this is what really lit my imagination here. We all know, if you were raised in church, most of you know that nard, and I just find that to be a funny word, nard, that, uh, that nard was very, very expensive. And it took about a year to save up enough money to buy the amount of perfume that she poured out. So she's spending a year's wages. This is probably all her wealth. Now, some people think it was a, a, an heirloom. Some people think that she got it in, in other ways. I don't know. It's all speculation. We don't know, but it was a lot of money. But you got to get beyond that, beyond the cost of it. Here's why what Mary did was reckless and abandoned. Uh, she had reckless abandonment in this moment. Here's why. And this is the part that really kind of triggered my imagination. The only person that a woman in that culture could let her hair down for was her husband. This was a scandalous act because women in first century Palestine that belonged to a Semitic culture did not show their hair to anyone other than their husband. So this is a tense moment. And the reason why the room is kind of on edge is because this is very awkward. It's, it's a bedroom activity. So uh, you know how awkward you feel when you see PDA? <laughs> you're, the, you're the one there by yourself and there's some other people having a good time with the, and you're just kind of like, 
this is one of those moments. She lets her hair down, and not only does she let her hair down, she shows her hair to Jesus, but then she does something even more sensual, and that is she wraps her hair around his feet. Now, I grew up in church, and I never heard this. What I'm about to share with you, I never heard before. Hang with me for a second. The whole point that this story has woven within it is, is hinged upon one part of the text. When John writes, and the fragrance filled the room. Now, if you don't know how to hear that, it, it'll just seem like a little uh, detail. But here's why that's powerful. John is quoting Song of Solomon. And when you, if you want to understand this story, you have to understand Song of Solomon. A book so scandalous that the only way the rabbis could tolerate it in their canon was to turn it into allegory. They, they literally said, whoever speaks the Song of Solomon out loud commits profanity. It was that scandalous. If you want to have a good time, forget all the naughty stuff on the shelves in the, in the bookstores. You go straight to Song of Solomon and just see what the, just, I'm telling you, just read it. It's crazy. And, and here John is quoting from Song of Solomon this book about two unmarried lovers. We find out in Song of Solomon that they're not married. So they're having this weird sort of sexual, romantic infatuation between an unmarried man and an unmarried woman. And in the Song of Solomon, let me just read to you some of this, right? This is the whole point. Song of Solomon is saying that the intoxicating, delightful, irresistible strength of love makes a person lose their rationality because love has its own form of reasoning. Love has its reasons. Let me read you a text. And when I read to you these scriptures from Song of Solomon, I think it's going to make this account become much more colorful. Listen, this is Song of Solomon 8, 6 through 7. Set me a seal upon your heart as a seal upon your arm for love is strong as death, passion fierce as the grave. For many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If one offered for love, listen, all of the wealth of one's own household. Now, now why does this resonate, right? This is from Song of Solomon, but what do we see Mary doing? Offering the wealth, all of her wealth, in one moment. If, if one offered for love, all the wealth of one's own house, it would be scorned because that's still not enough. Here's another one from Song of Solomon chapter 1, verse 12. While the king, while the king was at the table, while the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance through the whole household. Where did we hear that already? In John's gospel, the, the fragrance filled the house. While the king was at who is Jesus? And what's happening? The fragrance is filling the house. It gets better. Song of Solomon 1.3. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. We used to sing a song in church. Your name is as ointment poured forth. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder, listen, no wonder the young women love you. Now, we can do a couple of things with this. We can sit here with this text and look at what John is saying in his gospel and look at what Song of Solomon is saying in his gospel. And I'm not about to write a new Da Vinci Code here. So like, don't, don't, don't go crazy with this. I'm not saying that they were romantically involved. 
I am saying John is using and riffing off of the Song of Solomon to show you that when love is filled within your heart and soul, you will do extravagant, extra, extraordinary, scandalous things because love has its own reasons. Mary, why pour out your wealth? Why pour out the wealth of your house? Why the reckless abandonment? Why the extravagant gifts? Because love has its reasons. Jesus, now see, this is my point. Jesus, why did you travel to Judea again, knowing that, to quote the scripture, that the Jews were just seeking to stone you? Jesus, why raise Lazarus from the grave, knowing that when you do this, it's going to start your journey to Calvary? That's when the crucifixion really began. We read in scripture that when he raised Lazarus from the dead, that 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 began his journey to the cross. And you know what I think is happening here? Mary is grateful. She knows that Jesus just gave his life for her brother. She knows that what Jesus just did has saved her brother's life and probably ended Christ's. And I think in this moment, love begins to fill her heart. So much so that it, 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 it's, it's this overwhelming, unquenchable, un, you can't drown it, you can't overcome it. it, it has its own reason, it makes you intoxicated, and her love for Christ in that moment makes her go upstairs, grab that perfume jar, it costs her a year's worth of her wages, she brings it, cracks it open, pours it over his feet, and lets her hair down because in a way, he is her husband, and she begins to just wash and wipe and, and wash and wipe. And, and this, it's an awkward, very dangerous moment. Who knows what's going to happen to her because of this? She doesn't even care. She's recklessly in love with Jesus. But it is not a kind of love that you and I think about when we think about this sort of erotic love. It's a love that, that wells up deep within somebody. And she has this reckless abandonment and she just begins to pour her love over Jesus. Why would Mary do that? Because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. Jesus, why did you travel to Judea knowing that Jews were going to stone you or seek to stone you? Why raise Lazarus from the grave knowing that it would start your journey to the cross? Jesus, why empty yourself, becoming nothing? Why take on the very form of a slave? Why appear in human form? Why submit yourself to death, even death on a cross? And think about this. Just like Judas told Mary, that could have been used for other purposes. We can say the same thing about Jesus. Why come and die for people who were ungrateful? Why come to this world, become a human? Why become one of us for a group of people that really, I mean, you could have spent your life in better ways. Because love has its reasons. I'm going to finish with this. Andre Crouch used to sing a song. Maybe I can play it. Let's see. You probably know it. Jesus loved me I don't know why He cared I don't know why He sacrificed His life Oh, but I'm glad So glad He did Love has its reasons See what I'm saying? The very thing that Mary does is simply to embody this reckless love 
that Jesus has. Is this okay? And so what she's doing is she's showing the whole world what good discipleship looks like. Good discipleship is reckless. Good discipleship is abandonment. Good discipleship is scandalous. Good discipleship will get you in trouble. Good discipleship will cost you every single thing that you have. Being saved is easy. Discipleship is the hardest thing you'll ever try to do in your life. And we can look at everything going on in the church today. We can look at this room. We can look at this table. We can look at the ceremony. We can look at the celebration. We can criticize what happens in liturgical sacramental spaces. We could even, you know, now that we're in this context because we have an ancient future imagination, we could even look at the megachurch and say, it doesn't take all that, but love has its reasons. I'm a changed man preaching to you today because no longer do I want to criticize and throw stones from the outside. I want to worship from the inside. And it's only when we worship from the inside that we have the right to criticize. And so here we are looking at these institutions, and many times I say, oh, that could have been used for better things. It could have been used for the poor. But I have to remind myself what Schmiemann said. Diana read it in, in the beginning part. I'm going to read it one more time because I think you'll hear it now with fresh ears. Read it along with me and let it speak to you. Why are we doing these things? Why are we about to come to the table? Why the adoration, the adornment? Why all these things, these signs and symbols, smells and bells, up and down? Why the work of the people? It doesn't take all of that. Why the ceremony? Why the celebration? Why, JP, are you wearing a collar? Well, let me ask you this. Why, when you got married, did you put on a wedding dress? Why, when you got married, did you have vestments on? Right? Why did you buy that tuxedo? Why did you buy that wedding dress? Why wear those vestments? Because the moment, in that moment, love has its reason. So now read this. The liturgy is before everything else. The joyous gathering of those who are to meet the risen Lord and to enter with him into the bridal chamber. And it is this joy of expectation and this expectation of joy that are expressed in singing and ritual investments and in sensing in that whole beauty of the liturgy, which has so often been denounced as unnecessary and even sinful. Unnecessary it is indeed, for we are beyond the categories of the necessary. Beauty is never necessary, functional or useful. And when expecting someone whom we love, we put a beautiful tablecloth on the table and decorate it with candles and flowers. We do all this, not out of necessity, but out of love. And the church is love, expectation, and joy. Let the church say amen. amen. It doesn't take all that. Absolutely right, it doesn't take all that. It could have been used differently. Absolutely, it could have been used differently. But we don't have our right mind. We have the mind of extravagant generosity, of, of pouring out our worship and our love. It, let me tell you something right now. I tithe. Many of you sitting here tithe. And, and there are economists that would tell you that makes no sense. And you look at them and you say, you're damn right. <laughs> Excuse my language. We pass condemnation on the world that would judge us for our love. And we say love has its own reasons. And when we give, we are not giving to get. We are not giving and pouring out ourselves to get anything. We are giving because there is someone who loved us and poured out himself for us and gave himself for us. And we just pour ourselves back out in response to him pouring himself out. So this is the most beautiful irrationality that you will ever experience in your mind, in your life. But this is what... <laughs> Mary calls us to. It's a wasteful generosity 
that will lead us straight to the same Jesus who in Canaan had 180 gallons of new wine, even though there was not nearly that many people. They couldn't have drank that wine if they wanted to, even if they tried to drink it for a year, and I think it would have gone bad. He made so much wine at that wedding in Cana that they had so much left over. Now, the scripture doesn't tell you that, but history will. Because we know the size of the vessels and we know what the typical wedding size was. He made abundant amounts of wine. Now, let me tell you another story. Jesus is always providing blessed abundance. He fed 5,000 people. And yet the Bible tells us how many baskets were left over. Remember that story? Twelve baskets left over. Let me finish with this one. Jesus sees some fishermen who can't catch anything, and he blesses them so much with abundance that nets begin to break and boats begin to sink. This is a beautiful waste. And that's what God calls us to. So let me just close by saying, is it necessary? Nope. Do I have to wear a collar? Do you have to be involved in the liturgy? Do we need to come into this space that is adorned with gold leaf and with uh, beautiful stucco and, and Spanish style architecture and cross and table and candle and smells and bell. Do we need to do that? No, no, not at all. And that's exactly why we do it. Because love has its own reason. I'm very inspired now by this story. Now, I think it's only the people in this context that could then say that we're sent out into the world so that we can become extravagant in our giving to people in need. And we know this because, the and this is, oh shoot, man, like this is exactly how it always happens. The people who call you on it, like Judas, they're the ones who are stealing in the first place. The ones who make a big deal about money, they're the ones that are the tightest, most self-centered people you'll ever meet in your life. So just don't listen to them. (laughs) They will hang themselves eventually. No pun intended. So we come to the table, and Jesus is this abundant gift of God poured out for us, for you and for I. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? Do you know how much he cares about you? That's why we come. Because every week we're reminded that he poured out his life. Just like Mary poured out her perfume, he poured out himself for us. Is it necessary? Not at all. But say with me, love has its reasons. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Commons podcast. You can find out more about us at our website, thesacredcommons.com. If you feel connected to this ministry in any way, we appreciate your support. We appreciate your partnership. It helps us continue to do this work in the city of Youngstown where we are happy to be launching a new church plant. Finally, why don't you come and join us for a service? 323 Wick Avenue at the beautiful St. John's Episcopal Church. We meet in the chapel. Come and worship with us. We'd love to see you there. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.